Tommy and I, we have got to travel a little bit, and we've been to some gorgeous places, huh, Tom? So I wonder, um, just, I just want to get, get your opinion on a couple of things. Um, who, who's gone to a, to a grand place? Who, who's been to Washington, D.C.? Raise your hand. Wow, that's, that's something. Now, keep your hands up real quick, okay? All right. Boy, look at all you Pentecostals out there. I'm just kidding around. Okay, so we got you, 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 okay. All right. Uh, Gary, you been to Washington, D.C.? They let you in that place? <laughs> Golly. They didn't arrest you. So, so, so when you first arrived to Washington, D.C., what impressed you? Good, 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 good. All right. Um, who's been to New York City? Wow, we got some travelers up in here. Okay, Jennifer, what impressed you about New York City? The Statue of Liberty. Okay, all right, very good. Has anybody ever been out of the country and went to a spectacular place? Okay, John, where did you go? You went to London, and what impressed you? Okay, Westminster Abbey. Okay, Colton, where where did you go? You went to Mexico. What impressed what impressed upon you in Mexico? Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Here's 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 another here's the final place, <laughs> the lizards. I'm gonna go to Mexico and I remember the lizards. I love it. Did you eat one? No, he said. Okay, who's been to Las Vegas? Boy, I thought y'all were Christians. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding around. Me and Tommy want to go sometime. If you've been to Las Vegas, raise your hand. Okay. All right. Okay. So what impressed you about Las Vegas? The lights. The lights. Okay. Who had their hand over here? Okay. Las Vegas, what impressed you? You got married in Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) And your husband is not with you. Oh, give them the Lord a hand. 54 years. That's great. That's great. That's great. Well, let me find out what I did in my Bible here. Okay, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. So here's the Apostle Paul, and, and, he's, and, and he's at a low. I mean, he's been preaching, he's been preaching. He's been preaching. He's been seeing converts and converts, thousands and thousands. He's been arrested. He's been locked up. He's been he's been stoned. He's been chasing out of cities. And he and he now he comes out of a really, really, really hard time in Thessalonica. And he comes and they send him to Athens. Look at what happens in verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them, stop, who's them? Silas and Timothy, his two comrades in the ministry on this second missionary journey. Waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was being stirred or provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. I want us to look at two things this morning. And before we look at those two things, I want us to realize that you and I live in a city. 
And we live in a city that's not unlike Athens. Everybody follow me, because we're talking about the movement. We live in a city not unlike Athens. In other words, it's like Athens. It's got people in it. It has its culture. It's got certain features. And I think if we look at Paul here, that we may see some really insights of how we can impact our city and put a big dent into it, just like Paul did in Athens. But you see, that message has got to move. The church has to move. Amen? So two points. First, I want want us to look about how Athens affected Paul, and secondly, how Paul affected Athens. And I want us to just make some applications for ourselves. How are we affecting our city? How are we affecting our neighborhoods? And and how can we? But, but 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 how is it affecting us as well, too? Now, again, Athens was a great place. And, you know, we kind of just talked out there for a minute about, about you going to these grand places and, 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 and what impressed you. But, you know, we see here in verse 16 that it says, while Paul was there, and, he, and he's just kind of standing out somewhere, I'm just imagining maybe on a, on a high place in Athens, maybe outside, he looks over and he sees this grand city. He, he sees the architectural stuff. He sees the great colleges. He sees everything and all that. And the Bible says that, he, that his spirit was stirred or provoked in him, in him and that he saw the city full of idols. So you know what impressed Paul? You know what impressed Paul? He, he didn't say, look at this place or look at that thing or look over there. Man, look at that thing. It's terrific. But he looked over Athens and he said, I have one comment about this city. It's full of idols. You see, the Apostle Paul had the ability to look beyond the cultural facade and see the reality of man's heart. You know, we go to cities and we go to new places and our reaction is, what a terrific place. Look over here. Look at that. Oh, I love that. Oh, that makes me feel so great. We are usually satisfied with the facade. But Paul saw past the facade and he saw the spiritual issue of Athens. Church, that's, the, that's a mark of a spiritual, mature person. His He sees the things with spiritual eyes. Listen, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks where? On the heart. So let me ask you, how do you see your city? How do you see your city? You know, Paul walks again. He walks into Athens and this great city, and he sees its spiritual need. You know, again, we view the world from our perspectives, don't we? And, you know, I I find this true in my own life. We meet an individual, we, we, we meet an individual, and, and what is our first thought, you know? Um, is it, I wonder if, 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 he's, if he's saved? I, I wonder where this person is spiritually. Is that our first thought? It's usually not, is it? That's what hurt the Apostle Paul. And when it says that his spirit was stirred, is because he saw what these people were lacking. They had this great city. They had this great educational system. 
they had the greatest philosophers in the known world. They had the most beautiful buildings. They had, they had the most luxurious places of all, of all known to man. But Paul looked at that, and his spirit was stirred, and he hurt on the inside because he looked and he saw that they didn't know God. And you know, I think for us that um, we can kind of get stuck in our places and our things and our worlds become about us and, and maybe even we get kind of um, sucked into parts of the culture and where everything goes and we start compromising. But, you know, uh, I, I just want us to I just want to be an encouragement to you as your pastor is, is that it's important if we're going to move and this movement's going to move and listen, that this message is going to move and that we're going to be successful, that we have to realize that we have to put on our spiritual eyes like the Apostle Paul did. And, and, and we can't look at the glitter of things and we can't look at things through our own experience and, and what really kind of makes us feel good on the inside or the outside or whatever, you know. And, and, and because just like in Athens, our, our place is full of idols. Now, you know, we, we may not have the big statues and, you know, here in Decatur, Texas, and we may not have a lot of these things that we're talking about Athens had, but, but everybody has their own idols. Do you want to know what an idol is and, and what the Apostle Paul was looking at that stirred him up? You know, for him to be stirred up, first of all, he had to be arrested by the message, right? And I think, secondly, he had to, he had to be spending some time with God. And I think, third, like we said before, he had to spend much time in prayer and be yielded to the Holy Spirit. But, but, but do you know what, when he saw those idols and that's the only thing that he saw, he didn't see anything else and, 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 and it hurt his heart because, because, because he knew what their spiritual um, place was. But do you know what an idol is? It's anything that takes anything away from your time with God. You know, these people were going to these to these hundreds and thousands of statues and these and these man-made-up gods, and he were they were going to them and they were bowing down to them, and and those were idols, absolutely. But you know, money can be an idol. That's that word mammon that we learned in our small groups. That's what that is. Money can be can be an idol if it just takes over your thoughts and and takes away time from you and God. Then then that's an idol. You know, there's many idols, you know, I, I come close to making the Dallas Cowboys an idol, I guess, but you know, I'm not going to give up my time with God, but you know, so you can have both, you know, I, I think of, um, you know, people, you know, look, idol is anything that takes away and it may look like different things for different people, but we have that same issue. Amen, everybody. So Paul looks out and he sees it full of idols. Now, Go to Revelation chapter 3. I want to give you an example of this. Revelation chapter 3. And we're all, I'm certainly pretty familiar with Revelation chapter 3 and where the churches are being spoken about. But Revelation chapter 3. And I want us to look at verse 17. But I think <clears throat> I think this verse, I think these verses will give us some insight on, on what kind of spiritual sight works. Okay? The church of Laodicea, um, verse 17. And the Lord says, here it goes. You say I am rich and increased with goods 
and have need of nothing. That are, listen, everybody look at me. Look, look at it again. He says, you say, and, and, and so Jesus is saying, this is what you're saying. This is what the church is saying. This is what, this is what they're saying, that you say, I'm rich, and I'm increased with goods and have need of nothing. Now, look, that's our world, isn't it? Everybody look at me. That's our world, isn't it? But notice what Jesus says. He says, and you don't know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You see, he wasn't talking about physical stuff. Athens, again, we're going back to Athens. They had all that stuff. But again, Paul looked out and he, 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 he saw the riches. He saw the fancy clothes or whatever it may be. But he saw through spiritual eyes that they were lost and they were dying and they were going to hell and that they needed to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And, and, and if you look in Revelation chapter 3 and if you go to verse 18, he says, I advise you uh, to buy from me God refined by fire so that you may become rich. See, riches isn't coming from money. It's coming from a relationship with God. This is a spiritual thing, you see. And he says, he says, become rich in white garments, talking about righteousness, righteousness, so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I slave to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love. Look at what he says. I reprove and discipline, therefore be zealous and what? Repent. He wants us to have spiritual eyes. And if those verses teach us nothing, they teach us that we're to have spiritual eyes. Now, Paul walked into this town, and he saw two things. Look at verse 16. He saw it full of idols. And second, um, look at verse 23. Look at verse 23. We're going to fill the gap in here in just a minute because it's very interesting on on verses 17 to 22. But notice verse 23, he saw something else. So he saw the place full of idols, spiritual eyes, and then number two, he saw something else. And it says, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worshiped. Now, the only other thing he commented on about the art of that place was the statue to the unknown God. He saw the spiritual lostness of these people. I hope we can see like Paul. You know, I drive through the city, and sometimes I don't think of a thing. Maybe that's you too. So I just... If we're going to ask for anything, Cornerstone, if we're going to propagate this message, if we're going to let the, let, the, let the church move, then we're going to have to ask for spiritual eyes. So let me ask you, how do you see your city? How do you see your block? Do you see it like Athens? Holy, it says in verse 16. Look at it. Full of idols. That word, if you're using the King James, it says holy. But that word holy means full. That's the lostness of men. So Athens impressed Paul, and we see it stirred his emotion. It aroused his interest, and one, his spiritual interest, and two, it stirred his emotions. Look at verse 16, and again, his spirit was stirred in him. 
Now that word stirred or, or the word provoked, it's the word paroxysm, and that means to provoke. It means to stir. And he was really torn up inside. And that's what that word signifies in the Greek, that Paul was really, really, really torn up inside. This, this Greek word was used also in Acts chapter 15 when Barnabas and Paul started having problems. And that same word was used. So I just want you to see that this word stirred or provoked. It just doesn't mean that something lightly touched him. I mean, it hit him deep. It stirred his emotions. It stirred his emotions. And so you might ask, why? Why did it stir him up so much? Why was it? Because, because the apostle Paul, it hurt him because, he, again, he saw that what was supposed to belong to God Jesus Christ, it was, be given, it was being given to other things, and that upset him. It stole the glory that belonged to God. God deserved the glory, and Paul couldn't stand the fact that God wasn't glorified. So Cornerstone Baptist Church, when we get out there and we see things going on, it's not our job to go in there and kick them and hit them and whatever it is, all those things, but it is our job to look at it with spiritual eyes. And, and be a witness to those people because, look, if we're going to reach our world, the, the church has to move. That message has to move with the church, and we have to get that message out. So we got to look at it through spiritual eyes. Amen, everybody? So Paul was stirred. He was, he was, he, he was stirred up his emotions. It, it become insight to him, and it hurt him. It hurt him. Why? Because it took the glory away from God. He saw all these idols, and it began to eat him up. And he got emotional about God. And he said, God's not being glorified. You know, he was so preoccupied with the glory of God that it really just dominated Scripture, again, for the Apostle Paul. Look, look, listen to this, and I didn't put these on the screen for you, but Paul said, Paul said this. Paul says, I'm preaching Christ, the obedience of the faith, for the sake of his name, for the sake of his glory. That's what the apostle Paul said. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, I don't care what you do, even if it's eating or drinking. Do it all, what? To the glory of God. Amen? Am I losing you here? Paul went out to win people to Jesus Christ. Do you know why he did that? Second Corinthians tells us why. Listen to this in verse 4, this verse 15. He says, For all things are for your sakes, for the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many rebound for the glory of God. What he's saying is, he says, if more people get saved by grace, that just makes a bigger thanksgiving and glory to God. He was busy leading people to Christ in order that they might give God the glory. In Philippians, he says in chapter 2, verse 9, concerning Christ, he says, Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? 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 To give God glory. So he looks upon Athens and God wasn't receiving the glory. He, 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 he sees the idols. And then, of course, we're going to look at it here in a second, but then they, these philosophers and, and these, these people that were, were, were detracting Paul, they take him and they kind of just lead him up to Mars Hill, and, and that's when he spotted that altar of the unknown God. And then there he sees that these people 
didn't even know the true God. And all of these idols that were being praised, God wasn't getting it, but God needed to get it. So Paul, look at what he does in verses 17 to 22. He preaches the gospel. (laughs) Can you imagine that? He preaches the gospel to these people. Paul was totally absorbed. He was totally absorbed with one God who deserves all the glory. And when he saw all these people worshiping false God, it ate him up. It should eat us up. You know, Israel was worshiping Baal. Remember that in the Old Testament? Remember that? Um, Israel was just, you know, worshiping Baal, this false God. And, man, they were on top of Mount Carmel and, Isaiah just got up, not Isaiah, um, help me out here. Elijah just got upset, upset. He just got upset. What did you say, Danny? <laughs> Remember, he was on, up on top of Mount Carmel, and he just got upset, you know, all this bell worshiping, and you know what happened there? Old, old Elijah, he took out his sword, and he took him out to the back, and he took care of him. You know, It should hurt us when we see people. And again, it's not putting condemnation on people, but it should stir us up to love them, to build a relationship with them, to take the message of Jesus Christ and encourage them. Now, look look with me, and I want to go through this, and then I want to get to our last point here. But I think this is important for us to look at. So he sees it. His emotions are stirred up. This is the movement, right? This is all of us. If we're not moving, we're what? Huh? If you're not moving forward, you're going backwards. But if you're not being a missionary, you're what? You're an imposter. You're an imposter. Does that hurt? Does that hurt when we say that? You're an imposter. But look at Paul. He sees it. He stirred up, and then in verse 17, he does something about it. He goes into service. Look at what he does. And forgive me for mispronouncing these words. My fifth grade education just doesn't take me very far, okay? So he was reasoning in the synagogues. The first thing he did, Cornerstone, was he went to the synagogue. They had a synagogue there. Now, remember, the old covenant has passed away. The new covenant has taken place. So the synagogue is, idol, is, is at that point, idol worship too. You got it? Everybody say amen. It's, I mean, that's idol worship because, because God's not in the temple no more. Jesus Christ is sitting down next to the Father. The veil was rent. Now the Holy Spirit lives in man. You see that? We're not under the old covenant. We're under the new covenant. And now we can have an internal relationship with Christ, with God. No more is it external. And so the Jews were still making it an external relationship. You read the book of Hebrews. That's all the book of Hebrews is about. It's about reaching these Hebrews and saying, get out of there, get out of there, get out of there. The new covenant is here. That's the whole book of Hebrews. But um, 
He says that he was reasoning. He went in the synagogues and he preached with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. And in the marketplace, look at it. Not only did he go to the synagogues, he went to the marketplace every day. Look at it. Underline it. Every day. He did something about it. God stirred his heart. He got up and he did something about it. It stirred his heart. You know what happens to us? You know what happens when we get our heart stirred and we get some spiritualized? You know what we do most of the time? Nothing. Or, or we say, well, I'll, I'll have to pray about that, and let me, let, me go, let, me go, let me go make a plan here. You know, Paul, he didn't wait for Silas and Timothy to get there, John. He, he, he went to the synagogues, and he reasoned with them. He, he, he went to the marketplace, and he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see here in a minute that he preached about the resurrection, and that made him furious because the people who were talking to these philosophers, they didn't believe in the resurrection. But I'll explain that here to you in just a second. All right? And and look at verse 18. And then after that, and also some of the Epicureans and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Okay, so the Epicurean, who who were they? Those were the people, these were the philosophers um, who said that, yes, there is little g gods. There are gods, but they don't care anything about the human race. The Epicureans would also tell you that, that, the, that the main thrust for humans is pleasure. So, of course, they had all these multiple gods. They had gods of sexual pleasure. They had God for their finances. They had gods for all these realms of their life. And so he's reasoning with these Epicureans, and that was their philosophy. And then he says that he even reasoned with Stoic philosophers. Now, um, those are like, that's like the pantheism. And, and, and the closest example I can give you of that is like modern-day Hindus, where the Stoics believed that, there was a, that God was in everything. It was in the dirt, it was in the leaves, it was in the trees, okay? And they had a great set of rules they lived by where they didn't hurt people, but again, their, their religion was based on polytheism, and that really that polytheism was pantheism, which God was in everything, Okay? Now look at verse, uh, we'll go ahead and finish verse 18. And now notice what happens. So, he's con- so Paul's conversing with them here in the marketplace, and now he's with these philosophers. Now I want you to know what they do, because they, they, really, they really punch old Paul in the gut here because they got ugly with him. He says, they, they, they said, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Now that is as derogatory as you can get, ladies and gentlemen. They were being derogatory. This word babbler in the Greek means seed picker. That's that's the straight um, that is the that is the straight definition in the Greek. It means seed picker. And the significance it was is that you know what what birds will do is in, in Athens they had all these birds that would come down. There'd be all these seeds, and, and what birds would do is is they would is they would pick up sometimes empty empty shells and spit them back out. You know, they didn't know if they were getting a, a shell with seed or if they were getting um, a shell without seed. And so, a, so any kind of bourbon, just pick up that seed and then spit it out. Pick up that seed and spit it out. And they're saying about the Apostle Paul here is he's just like those birds. You know, you go around and you travel around and you pick up this and you pick up that, and now you're just spitting it out. You don't know what you're talking about. I mean, they were being derogatory here to the Apostle Paul. Now, now listen what he does. And they and then and then they continued. Um, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities, 
because he was preaching Jesus in the resurrection. You see, these Stoics and Epicureans, they wouldn't believe in the resurrection. It, it offended them. It was beyond what they could think of. Look at verse 19. And they took him and brought him to uh, Mars Hill. That's where all these thousands of idols were, all these altars made to God. And they said, may we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears, so we want to know what these things mean. Verse 21, now all the Athenians and the strangers or foreigners visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. Look at verse 22. So Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and he said, men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what for you, therefore what you worship is ignorance. This I proclaim to you, the God who you made the the world and all things in it, since He is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is He served by human hands, as though He needed anything, since He Himself gives all the people life and breath and all things, and He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times, the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist, as some even of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thoughts of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he was fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard, here we go. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer. Here we go. But others said, we shall hear you again concerning this. Look at me. Let's take a break. You know, when, the, when, when we move as a church and when we speak to people and when we speak the message to people, some are going to sneer. But that's okay. We're planting seeds. But then there's going to be others that listen. Everybody say amen. There's going to be others that want to hear more. Verse 33, so Paul went out of their midst. But here, here it is. But some men joined. Now that word joined in the Greek, in the verb form, it means to be glued. It means to be glued. But some men glued themselves to the apostle Paul and believed. They got saved. Hey, everybody. They got saved. That's, that's how the church moves. The message moves. People got saved. They believed, among whom also were, and here's where I'm going to mess up, Dionysus, Dionysus which, which he, he was a high official in the Athens government, okay? He was up there. And then, then um, 
um, this a woman named Demarius was saved, and she was a common person. So from the highest to the lowest. Hey, listen, we're a witness to all of them. So, so how did Athens impress Paul? It stirred him up. It got him stirred up. He got stirred up emotionally, and he got stirred up, stirred up spiritually, and he did something about it. And point number two, how did Paul affect Athens? There were converts made. Seeds were planted. Seeds were planted. Um, I just want to give you this. Now, Athens was a, was a great place of educational value at that time. But from that time until the, 18, until the 1800s, um, in the 1800s, the population in Athens was about 5,000 people. The city just declined and declined and declined and declined. Of course, today we know that Athens is the capital of Greece. Today, there's over a million people in Athens. And in the Metroplex area, there's over 5 million people. And I only say that to tell you this. The gospel has to move, everybody. The gospel has to move. And today in, in Athens, we even support a missionary over in Athens. And um, it's, 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 uh, it's their awesome, incredible family. The gospel has to move. We, we need to move it here, Cornerstone Baptist Church. We have a city, and it's just like Athens, right? It's got people. It's got its culture. It's got its bling. It's, 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 got, it's got its stuff. But we've got to take the gospel and move in our city. And then we've got to support missionaries that will go to all over the world and move the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Father, we love you this morning, and we do thank you for, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and, Lord, I just pray that we're just convinced that we're just, that, Lord, I pray that we'll get spiritualized like the Apostle Paul because that's how this first church, that's how this first century believers, how they reached the known world was because they believed it. They were arrested. They, Lord, they, they was yielded, and, Lord, that we must do the same thing. And we have to have those so that we can have spiritual eyes and so that we can see past everything and that we don't compromise the message but instead that we allow the Holy Spirit to stir us spiritually, emotionally, and then like the Apostle Paul, we do something about it. Lord, encourage Cornerstone and that we'll just be a church who continues to, to move and not be an institution, but to move with a message, a message that Jesus saves. And when Jesus saves, God is glorified. God is glorified. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what our culture dictates. It just matters that God is glorified and that we take the idols out of our lives. In Jesus' name.